If you are an entrepreneur who is struggling to make the kind of profit you want in your business and have the time freedom and the money freedom that you're looking for, then this episode is for you. I got to sit down with Tara Newman, the founder and CEO of the Bold Profit Academy, where she teaches service-based business owners how to sell premium services and programs without the emotional stress of launching, worrying about ads, overwhelming social strategies, or complex funnels. Tara hosts a weekly podcast called The Bold Money Revolution and has been featured in publications like Money Magazine, Yahoo Finance, Huffington Post, as well as other publications and podcasts. She earned her master's in organizational psychology from Hofstra University, has over 20 years of experience, is a certified profit-first professional, and holds an advanced level Reiki certification. Everything she teaches incorporates energy, mindset, and strategy as a framework for resiliency and results. So definitely listen to this episode. You are going to want to stick around because this is a very juicy episode. You're listening to The Terry Holland Show, the podcast for high-performing entrepreneurs ready to take your life and your business to the next level. And if you want to get there faster, go to terryholland.ca. Hey Tara, thanks so much for coming on today. I'm so excited to finally have you here. How are you? Thanks for having me, Terry. This is exciting. We're always like jamming back and forth in Instagram yeah. and now we get to do an episode together. Yes, I'm so excited. And it's it's funny because it was something that you had posted about money. I mean, you post a lot about money and talk about money. And there was one post in particular that I saw it and I was like, mm, this is what I need to wrap my head around myself. So I'm gonna see if Tara will come on and and talk to us about money because it's not well, my strong suit at all. What was it? It was about, I don't remember exactly what you had said, but it was something about knowing your numbers and what are the numbers you actually need to know in your business. Mm -hmm. And I was like, mm. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that one <laughs> that one hit a soft spot. And I thought, so we, I need to learn more. I need more of this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's, why don't we start with how you, you got into your business. So the Bold Profit Academy, how did that, how did that come to be? Sure. Well, I mean, it's, this is, this is iterations and iterations and iterations of, of myself. Um, I was, my, my husband and I owned a business back in 2005. Mm -hmm. I'd say like, check my numbers there. And we were kind of like wiped out by the great recession. Oof. And ultimately in 2010, we declared bankruptcy. And then we spent a while, you know, kind of financially rebuilding, emotionally healing, mm -hmm. mentally percolating. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. <laughs> On all the things. Because um, that was kind of like a really colossal moment for us. And then in, and it was exhausting going through that. Yeah. Like we had five years of like really like financial, personal financial crisis. And we were like holding on, holding on, holding on. And then something happened that kind of like forced our hand to make the decision to close the business down and kind of move on and eventually declare uh, bankruptcy. And so we had two small kids at the time. I was working in corporate, like pulling in like the steady paycheck while my husband ran the business. And by 2014, I was, I was done. 
was a tired mama and um, I was feeling super burned out and undervalued and underutilized in my career that I'd been in for over 15 years in leadership development um, and performance management in corporate. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go start my own business. I'd had a blog. So I already had some folks following me. I had a bit of an audience, very small. And uh, in the beginning, I didn't know what to, to do, like what to coach on, what to talk about. But I'm like, hey, I'm a leadership coach. I help people perform better in their careers. And so it was a lot of like initial like leadership type coaching. Um, but I always knew I wanted to support small business owners. And then from December of 2014 to now, it's just been this progressive evolution of the reality of me just becoming more confident in my strengths and my zone of genius and the things that I know and, and really being coming comfortable with doing uncomfortable and saying uncomfortable things. Yeah. <laughs> I always should have been coaching around money. I always should have been coaching around sales. Um, based on my background, it just kind of like took me a little bit to get here um, to really feel comfortable and confident in that and to overcome my own head trash and stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I completely get that. And I think even in the time that I've been following you, I've seen you transform like part of that process of your transformation and how you've really sort of niched into what it is that you do. And it's brilliant. Like what you're doing, I think is absolutely brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's funny because I remember a couple of years ago, my podcast editor said, you know, that all your top podcasts talk about money and mindset, right? And I, I was like, still like trying to avoid it and calling things something else. And, but really actually for me was like my, my, I don't know, my, my catalyst, my spark, my moment of ignition. And it's funny because I had, my business has been always every year growing, growing, growing more successful. It's just, I gradually been gaining more clarity and, you know, adding value and it's just a factor of time. But when COVID hit, And everybody started talking about, like, I had been planning for a recessive economy. I I thought it was coming. I could never in a million years predicted a pandemic. Um, But I started watching people come out with like your seven step proven recession proof (laughs) plan. And I was like, y'all need to sit down. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, I've done this before. Mm -hmm. I had some real lessons. And y'all need to sit down and I need to start talking louder and speak up and get more specific and be more clear. It was, it was like really, um, a fire for me. I, yeah, I bet. And is that, is that, does that even exist a recession, a seven step recession proof plan like that? Uh, that sounds lovely, but it doesn't sound realistic. (laughs) I mean, it, it makes it, it, it makes it sound like it's, it's, it, yeah, it makes it sound easy. Yeah. And, it, and, and surviving a recession really is simple, but it's not easy. Yeah. I, yeah. Yep. I get that. So when it comes to our numbers in business, mm-hmm. uh, what do we need to know? Because I have no idea and I'm sure I'm not alone in this. I like to look at my sales and that's, that's the rest of it. I try to avoid. And, uh, 
and it's, it's like going to the dentist to me, you know, I, it's yeah. something I know I need to do, but I don't want to do it. Sure. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And, and that's such a, that's such a great question. Um, so when the recession hit and I was like, this is my time, I actually went and got certified as a profit first professional. So if anybody's ever heard of the book profit first by Mike Michalowicz, he certifies people to, to, to really carry out in a consulting form, his methodology and his system. And the reason why I did that was because I was already using it. It had been really a lot of the answer for me in creating sustainability in my business. And oddly enough, it, it, it calmed my nervous system, Wow! having a system for my money and being able to see it and, and where it was going. And I wanted to be in, in integrity with his, his business model and his system. So I went and got certified and that really highlighted for me going through that training. That's really what highlighted a lot of my strengths. And I was like, Oh, like, this is really who I am. This is what I talk about. This is what I do. And it, was just so good to kind of be seen through the lens of his um, system like that. Mm -hmm. And what I think is really important about, about his model and about knowing your numbers is kind of what I said, making money in sales is a nervous system game. How good can you regulate your nervous system? How well can you regulate your nervous system to receive larger and larger sums of, mm. of money through sales revenue. And what I noticed from his system is that when we, when I had this system and I could see where my money was going, I had a line of sight, whether I had a lot or a little, it didn't matter. Right. My nervous system felt very regulated. Uh, yeah. And so it was really about, you know, having that, that clarity around the numbers. And I'll talk about what those are that really allowed me to kind of make more because I was, my nervous system was, was calm. And I get a lot of women who come to me. I work primarily with women, some men, but they come and they say, I'm, I'm making money, but I don't know how I'm going to make more money if I don't know what to do with the money I have. Right. And there's a lot around starting to feel overwhelmed by larger sums of money mm -hmm. or start to feel like there's so much responsibility in, in managing larger sums of money. And then on the flip side of that, um, you know, we, we have people who tend to be like overspenders, but what I see a lot more is money. They call them, I call them money hoarders. They're penny pinchers because they oh, don't know what to do with yeah. their money. And so they're holding it and it's energetically creating a, like a clog. It's blocked. Oh. It, the money is just sitting there dormant, not with a purpose, not having any use. Right. And energetically it's stagnating. That makes sense. So, yeah. So let's talk about what numbers we need to know. Business owners start businesses for two reasons, financial independence, mm -hmm. personal freedom. Yeah. Right. We know this. We see this all the time. This is not a secret. Mm -hmm. um, and what winds up happening is, is that chase for financial independence starts to inhibit personal freedom. It starts to impinge upon personal right. freedom. 
And if we want to use our businesses to create wealth, financial independence, Mm -hmm. we really need to evaluate what that means to us. And is this business really operating in a way that is in service to the, the wealth we want to create, but also the enjoyment of the wealth, the personal freedom that we're creating. Right. And, and that number is different for everybody. We can't possibly begin to tell somebody what that financial independence number is for them. And so what I'm always trying to help people do is really balance, like, what does it mean to be financially independent? Right. What does it mean to use your business to create wealth? And then what does that mean for you? What does that look like for you in terms of your personal freedom? And how do we create a business that complements your lifestyle? And in order to do that, we need to know the numbers. Right. And the numbers that we need to know, in my opinion, the conversation that we're not having actually is um, the KPI, mm-hmm. in my mind, the, the key performance indicator, the, the metric of all metrics, is your net worth. Right. Is your yeah. business positively contributing to your net worth? Mm-hmm. Because we know that 83% of business owners are living paycheck to paycheck. Yep. And if- if you're living paycheck to paycheck, then this business is not in service to your financial goals. Right. Right. And I, and I, I, I get really nervous when I see a lot of the marketing Mm -hmm. in, in the online space, because what we're not talking about is you may not make money just because you have a business. (laughs) Doesn't mean you're going to make money. So true. They're not synonymous. <laughs> um, you know this, you teach sales. You need to make sales yeah. to make money. Yeah. Um, also, I can be financially independent and work for somebody else. Yep. Because when you create wealth, you need to make money. You need to spend money intentionally, live mm-hmm. below your means and invest the rest. Right. That's how we create wealth. I can do that in a corporate job. And probably a lot easier than in my business because for me in a corporate job, you know, I'm easily collecting a paycheck. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. not going to lie. Like I didn't, my skill, I wasn't really like killing myself. I had a team. I was making six figures. I was getting Mm -hmm. a bonus check at a 401k. I know in, in Canada, it's something else. And if you're listening from another country, that might be a different sort of retirement vehicle. But our, in, in the U.S., my employer matched my 401k. So they were even giving me money toward my retirement. Yeah. Right? And, and yeah. I could have done that. I could have been financially independent. So if you want financial independence, you know, you might not need to run your own business. Right. You want to run your own business because you want that personal freedom mm-hmm. that we often can't get from a job. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so we want to make sure that we're prioritizing our net worth. We want to make sure that we're prioritizing our mental and emotional health. Yeah. Because that's another thing that we're not really talking about. And what is the point in having money 
if we're, um, you know, depleting our mental health and our emotional health. And so one net worth, right? And there's a lot of things that impact your net worth that are not necessarily in the control of your business. So for example, I monitor my net worth every month. Um, Last month, my net worth went down, not because my business revenue went down, but because the market went down and where I had my money went down. So it's not a perfect indicator, but the gist is that our business is contributing positively to our financial goals. Okay. Right. And, and, a, and a, a, a measure of that is your net worth. Okay. And your net worth does not mean whether or not you are worthy as a human. I always have to say that. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. You are inherently worthy. Mm-hmm. That is not based on your net worth. Um, and so we, we, need to, we need to know that. But in order for our businesses to contribute to our net worth, the metrics that we want to be looking at is our pay how much we're paying ourselves right, and our profit in our business after we pay ourselves. So profit first is about like taking your profit first. So taking whatever it is, five, 10% before you do anything else. And then you pay yourself. Okay. And then you pay your taxes and then you pay your expenses. So what it is, is it's Parkinson's law. And with what's left over is what you use to, to grow and, and use towards expenses in your business. Okay. And it's a huge mental reframe. Yeah. Because so many folks have been taught through society, even through, like, I find so many business owners uh, have parents or partners who aren't business owners mm-hmm. and they have a very different perspective. You pay your bills. Yep. Right. Like you make good on your debts. Mm-hmm. And so what a lot of business owners do, they'll pay their expenses before they pay themselves. Yes. But we have control over our expenses. Right. Right. And so that's what profit first is doing. It's forcing constraint around or at least making you make intentional choices and decisions around what you're using um, to reinvest into your business and making sure that you, the business owner, are taking profit, which they talk about in terms of um, profit in, in profit first is about rewarding the business owner. So whether it's, you know, investing in assets, whether it's a vacation, whether it's home renovation, that it's something that's like, rewarding you for all the work you're doing. Nice. Your pay is like for your lifestyle, mm-hmm. your okay. lifestyle, um, the taxes. And I know like Canadians and in the U S are very different with our taxes. Yeah. Um, and I'm just going to reframe taxes for all my friends <laughs> who are like not loving taxes. This is the gratitude you pay your government for allowing nice. you to have a business. Oh, I love that. <laughs> your gratitude. And I'm going to remind the Canadians and the Europeans that us in the U S we don't have, um, we pay for our healthcare and it's very expensive because that's the other yes. thing. Canadians yeah. and, and everybody, they're like, Oh, the taxes. I'm like, have you seen my healthcare bills? Um, oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. So, so really when you implement profit first like that, it tells you what you need to know. Okay right? Like you need to know your profit. You need to know what you're paying yourself. You need to know that you've got 
money set aside to pay your taxes and how much you have to invest in your business. And it makes it very easy. I like that. I like easy. Yeah. 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 I can tell you, I've never heard of that system before. Like it's, that's a whole different way of thinking about money and profit than what I've been doing and what I know a lot of business owners do. Cause you're right. It's always been like, pay the expenses, pay the bills. Um, and then what's left over is, you know, is, is for me and like completely flipped upside down. Yeah. And what winds up happening is, so, you know, sales tracking yourselves also very important, right? Like you want to make sure that you have sales coming in because how do you pay yourself if you don't have sales coming in? Right. But it's like the profit first numbers are the, um, byproduct or almost like the physical manifestation of the sales. Mm-hmm. So this is what you do with your sales, right. with your revenue that comes in is this is how it gets divided up. So you can run a healthy business. And this is, and everybody's like, well, how much should I pay myself? How much can yeah. I pay myself? There are, um, metrics or percentages mapped out in profit first that help you as a guideline, you know, determine how much you can pay yourself, how much you'll take as profit. Um, and when you do that, it gives you so much clarity. I'm a, I'm a big believer in, in, um, money mindset Mm -hmm. and how we believe and think about money. But what I've started to do is do the math first. Uh, yeah. Right. So we can't just believe it (laughs) into fruition. We actually have to do the math. Yeah. And also too, like, does it remove the charge? So I can give you an example. I have, I had a woman in the Bull Profit Academy and she was like flipping out that um, she was getting charged this fee from, from PayPal or Stripe. Right. And it was whatever the fee is, I forget. It's like 3% or whatever on average of your payment. And she had made like a $20,000 sale and then I had to pay 3% of that to, to PayPal. Mm -hmm. And I, I said, okay, let's do the math. Let's break this down in terms of based on that sale, based on your revenue, what percent of that $20,000 is going to go to profit is going to go to paying you is going to pay your taxes. And then what's left over I forget what the amount was, but it was like $7,500, you know, is left over and you're concerned with paying like $700 in fees. Yeah. I said, when you see the math, does that, does that bring things into perspective for you? Or do we still need to have a conversation around maybe some beliefs and, and, and mindsets that you're having here? And she's like, no, actually that was, that was good. Um, the other thing it tends to dispel is when we are making money in our business, that doesn't translate, our revenue doesn't translate to pay. Right. Yeah. I remember having to learn that. I had to learn that one too. (laughs) And it was just all for me. It's all my money, right? (laughs) That $100,000 in revenue is not $100,000 in take-home pay, that there are other things that are involved, you know know, paying taxes, paying expenses, paying team, whatever, when you make that money. And I think that too brings a lot of clarity around, you know, what you have available to you. Yes, for sure. I remember when I started my business, I thought that everything was just for me. And then I had expenses. <laughs> it's like, 
how am I going to pay this? I've just spent all my money. Yeah. 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 It's a tough lesson to learn, but it's uh, an important one for sure. We have all been there. Yes. Yes. So how about when it comes to determining how to set our rates? Cause I know that's a question I get all the time. What should I charge? And I've seen very complex formulas for how to figure that out all the way down to pick a number and, you know, yeah. pull out a number and go with it. Yep. Um, how, how do we do that? So I think that, you know, we have, this is such a nuanced conversation and I appreciate you asking me the question because I think it's, it's not one way or another. So there's two ways that I like to frame this conversation. One, we have to remember that there are two things at play anytime we're talking about money. And that is our, that are, that's our feelings Mm -hmm. or emotional beings and facts. Right. (laughs) Right. And we want to balance both. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that I think is at play that doesn't get talked about nearly enough is what stage of business are you in? And I'll I'll share just briefly what I mean by that. So um, in 1983, there was a Harvard Business Review article written by Churchill and Lewis about the five stages of business. And I have kind of adapted that for myself, used some different words, modified it. It's about 40 years old, modified it a little bit. And I talk about this often. And so I have five stages of business. I call them startup, growth, stabilize, scale, and legacy. And I I have a pause in between growth and scale. And most people don't put that pause there. (laughs) (laughs) It's not scale, scale, scale. Um, And so Mm -hmm. in startup, you know, obviously you're starting up your business. This is a very exciting time. It's also a roller coaster. Growth is a very messy time in your business. Lots of businesses actually never make it out of growth. They just stay in this churn because they're, you know, unwilling to delegate or they don't know how to use their money properly or, you know, and they're just constant, it's a grind. And that's really where you get that burnout. Then you have stabilized, which is a pit stop. And that's where you start putting process in place and systems. And you're really getting your, you know, you can start, if you haven't already gotten your money kind of figured out, you start to really get your money figured out in that phase. And it's just a breath. Okay. And I always say, sometimes what your goal looks like and stabilize is if I make the same money I made last year, but make it easier. Oh yeah. That's a good way to be in stabilize. Then you can go into scale and legacy. So when you're starting out, you have no idea what to charge. (laughs) You're still trying to figure out your target market, Mm -hmm. who you're here to help, what you're doing. And it's super messy. Yep. It's super messy and you feel weird charging. You feel weird about your pricing. It's uncomfortable to you. You might never have had to ask for money for your service before. Yeah. And so in that place, it's a lot of feeling Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's a lot of trusting your intuition and allowing yourself to make mistakes, to change your price. I think I changed my pricing almost seven times my first year in business. And I really want to give everybody permission to do that. Um, Growth. Now you're like, okay, I've made money. This is a, this is a validated offer. I've made money. I've gotten tongue tied saying my prices. (laughs) I've changed my price and then quoted a lower price, right? You've made all those like 
mistakes. And, and now you're really looking at the value mm-hmm. that you bring to your client base. Okay. You have some data now. What are the results they're getting? Yeah. Who are your best fit clients? Where do you want to be in the market? Right. And you can start inching your pricing up. You can start um, really charging well for your services. And then by the time you're getting into these other like stabilize and scale and and Mm -hmm. legacy in your business, this is becoming a very uh, data-driven process. And I can give you you some examples about what that that would look like. Um, So for example, I was working with a client and she's an Uber expert, PhD, years of experience, excellent at what she does. She's Mm -hmm. in demand. That's always a factor. Yeah. When you're in demand, when you have no more spots left on your calendar, Mm -hmm. right? It's time to, to increase your, your rates. And so what I said to her was, Hey, I think you need to increase your rates, not because we're playing some, how high can we go internet marketing game, but because Mm -hmm. you're in demand, you're Mm -hmm. fully booked out. You have a wait list. You can increase your rates because you are adding value consistently year after year after year. Your expertise is getting greater. Maybe you're getting your clients' results quick, quicker, more quickly. Um, you're very clear on what those results are, and you're very clear in who you're talking to. And most likely, your your as you grow your your clients evolve and become like a higher level larger yeah. type of a client maybe even b2b you know and not necessarily selling b2c but you're selling you know business to business and in proposals and things like that yeah. and then inflation right right like there's a very practical mathematical side to this that if you don't watch your pricing and you don't keep up with inflation, which we are seeing right now in, in yeah. a pretty dramatic way, you're going to wind up actually making less money, even though it might be the same or more money, right. your dollar's not going to go as far when you take it home. Right. And so you need to, or, or you might have to pay for services that are increasing in price, right? So you're going you're gonna to want to have to consider some of those practical things as well. In the beginning, like in that startup to growth phase, a really good sign that you need to increase your price is when you're having a hard time being present for your work. Oh yeah. Good one. Yeah. Maybe you're on a client call and you're like, like daydreaming, or Mm -hmm. you're not interested in getting on the call anymore, or you feel like you're efforting maybe a little more than what you're receiving. That's always a good check-in about, about raising that, that rate. Now, always a good rule of thumb is the reverse engineering. Okay. Right. And so the way I like to do this is your personal finances and your business finances are linked. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it's just a fact. Like you, you might have personal financial responsibilities that you need to bring a certain amount home for you know, and, and to provide for that lifestyle in your, in your pay. And so what I like to do is look at a couple of different ways. Like what is the bare minimum that you would need to bring home 
to, to meet your personal financial obligations. Mm -hmm. What does life look like with a little fun, extra stuff? And then what does luxury lifestyle look like? Like what's like that best case scenario where you are living your best life look like Mm -hmm. and get, get a handle on those numbers that you need to be paying yourself. And I have a calculator that I'm going to share with your, your podcast listeners that actually helps you do this for you. Perfect. You go through and put in like all of your expenses and then it tells you how much you need to bring home every um, month. And then it puts it into a calculator that calculates the profit first numbers for you. Nice. So based on how much money you need to be bringing home, it's going to tell you how much annual revenue you need how much you would pay in taxes, how much you would have to pay for your expenses in your business. And it kind of, it's a guide. Okay. I'm just like, mm-hmm. obviously it's a guide. It's not meant to yeah. be exact, but it's a guide. And I think that's important because when you can reverse engineer that and get that revenue number mm-hmm. and say it's a hundred thousand dollars, just to use easy math, then you have to say, okay, what do I need to sell to get me to a hundred thousand dollars in revenue? And this is usually where the breakdown comes. (laughs) (laughs) We haven't thought about this. Yeah. Right. And listen, you can um, decide that you're going to work with four clients and you're going to charge them $25,000 each Mm -hmm. and you're going to make $100,000 in your business. And no matter who you are, you could probably come up with a service that's $25,000. Like, Maybe you're a web designer and you've got some kind of strategy that goes behind the web build out and you, you know, you, you create an offer that's valued at $25,000, right? Right. If $25,000 doesn't feel like it's a great price point for you, you don't feel like you have the people in your network that would pay $25,000. Maybe you start at a $10,000 offer and then you're going to sell 10 of those. And it starts to inform what kind of strategy you need to employ. So um, a great example of this is if you're going to sell, you know, a low ticket product or service or membership, you're going to have to sell a lot of those. Yeah. And that's going to inform your strategy. You're going to need to be piling leads into your system. And where are you going to get 20,000 leads from? You're going to have to run Facebook ads, right? And so this is how we start to realize what our strategy is. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, if you're going to go with a more premium service and something like that's going to be $5,000, you're going to sell 20 of those. That's going to be a very different lead generation and sales strategy that you're going to apply to sell those offers. Right. Okay. I know when I saw that you put the, you said the link for the calculator was like, okay, as soon as we're done, I will be (laughs) downloading that. I was like, I need, I need to do this. So for everyone watching, download that from the show notes because you, you need to do it. Yeah. Download it. It comes, it's got a 15 minute training and, and I'm already planning some um, improvements for it. So once you've downloaded it Mm -hmm. and you're on my email list, you'll get whatever improvements we make and guidance to use it further. Perfect. That sounds amazing. 
Yeah. So what do you think, or what do you see in people? What's, what stops them from making the kind of money they want? What are the key factors that limit them? Yeah. You know, I think what I'm seeing the most right now, I mean, listen, this is multi-factor for sure. Right. And I, and, and making money is not easy. Mm-hmm. Again, simple, not yeah. easy, right? Like <laughs> I have a thing to sell, you sell the thing, you make money yeah. and it sounds really easy and it's simple, but might not be easy. And there's a right. lot of different things that kind of come into play um, again at different stages. But one of the biggest things that I'm seeing right now is that we have a lot of business owners um, entrepreneurs, whatever you want to call them. This is very faddish right now. This is like a fad that mm-hmm. we become entrepreneurs. We work for ourselves. Um, it's all, we're also seeing with the great recession, right? We're about to see an onslaught yeah. of people who want to be freelancers, self-employed in some way, but we're, and we're lacking a lot of financial and business literacy. Yes. And I, I know that people don't like, they want to buy the quick fix mm-hmm. and it's not always appealing to buy education and learning, yeah. you know, because that takes some work. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reality is, is that you can be an expert in what you do, but you might not have expertise in the things right. that re- are required to run a profitable and sustainable business. And you need to understand that. And some of the best um, examples that I've been seeing in this, uh, I watched the Lula Rich documentary. Oh, yeah. Oof. Okay. Okay. Absolutely no shade right now for MLMs. Yeah. If, if that's where you're at, uh, that's not the conversation mm-hmm. that I want to have. Like I'm here for people making money, however they, it feels accessible for them to make yeah. money. And in a lot of ways, those MLMs are just like an easy access point or, or, yeah. or jump off or a beginning. But what I want to talk about is how this could have gone differently if these women mm-hmm. had some business and financial literacy. So they believed that they owned a business yeah. when they were working for LuLaRue. They were a LuLaRue retailer. That is not the same as owning a business. You are, you are able to profit by selling for somebody else. So you're kind of a commissioned salesperson. And then what wound up happening is, is they had no control over the market. So all of a sudden, all these LuLaRue retailers were popping up in their neighborhood because they had sold to them. And now they were going to become a retailer and then they were going to become a retailer, right? And you lose control over your, your, your market like that. For sure. And, and that it is not the same as, as owning a business. You don't have an asset. That's, there wasn't an asset there. Yeah. The other thing that happened was um, they didn't have financial literacy. So there was one scene where the woman, they were making these huge commission checks. I mean, huge commission checks yeah. every month, whether you believe that that was a scam or not, it doesn't matter. These women were physically taking home 50 to a hundred thousand dollars at times a month Yeah, that they didn't know what to do with. So they were being manipulated by LuLaRue to spend it on Louis Vuitton bags, to buy mm-hmm. two trucks, 
to retire their husbands. And all that made them do was need more money to feed the beast. Whereas if they would have taken that money, I forgot, I did the math once, but the woman spent like 50 grand on two trucks. And if she would have taken that and invested that in a total stock market index fund that over the course of time would have yielded 7% and she did nothing else with it. It would have amounted to hundreds of thousands of dollars in her net worth. And instead she actually wound up going bankrupt. Mm -hmm. And so that's an extreme example, but that's happening to to everyone every day because there are more grifts and cons popping up yeah. As the internet grows, which is not going to stop. It's, it's wonderful that we have yeah. access to technology that we've made business ownership really accessible. Um, and also we have to be careful and we have to educate ourselves. So that's really my, my first stop is like, can we, again, do some math? Yeah. Can we get some basic fundamentals underneath us? Can we mm-hmm. have somebody who's going to tell us the truth? Like, I always joke around on my podcast and I'm like, here I am the purveyor of hard truths again. Like, (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Um, because I think we need to do a lot of expectation setting. I think expectations are holding people back. Yeah. That it should be happening faster, that it should be Mm -hmm. happening in larger quantities, that it should be looking some way or that they're, they're wrong or, or they're doing something wrong or they're bad as a human. Yeah there's a lot of shaming and, and, and embarrassment that's happening. And then listen, we cannot obviously underestimate the power. And I know this is a lot of what you do, the power of our, our, our stories and our generational trauma and our lineages around money and how that plays forward. Um, I always share that, you know, I'm a refugee. Mm -hmm. My, my great grandparents came to this country from Poland. They escaped the pogroms. Um, they came here with nothing. My great grandmother was an indentured servant. Um, and I've got a lot of that scarcity, like, Mm -hmm. like to hoard my money a little bit too much sometimes right in me. Um, and, and how does that play forward and how does that serve me? Mm -hmm. Cause just cause you have those feelings of scarcity or my dad calls it, Oh, it's your refugee mindset, you know, that refugee mindset coming up that served me really well. Mm-hmm. in a lot of, in a lot of ways Absolutely. and it also can limit me but it's yeah. it's having that understanding that self-awareness and so i think people um they're scared to get to know themselves yeah on a deeper level yeah, yeah. and then we and then you know we just have so much social conditioning around money oh, it's taboo yeah. right women don't talk about money mm-hmm. um let your the man handle it um the pink tax, right? Oh, like yeah. there's just so much we don't, we don't know. We hadn't been taught. It's, we're not supposed to talk about, um, that really comes up for, for women and, and just kind of further makes it challenging mm-hmm. around avoiding their money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know I grew up in a family that never talked about money. Like it was, it was so taboo. Yep. There was no discussion about money. And, and I know how that shaped my beliefs. And I was talking to a friend recently and he said that one of his friends grew up in a very wealthy family 
And they were comparing stories about what did you learn about money when you were a kid? What were the conversations? And his friend, like they were, they had conversations at the dinner table when he was a, a little boy about the stocks, what was happening with money, about net worth, how to grow their money, what they're going to invest in next, and, and about networking. He was learning about how to network and make connections at a young age. And I was like, those weren't the conversations at my dinner table. There was <laughs> no talk of that. So you're, you're right. There's, there's so many factors that play into our beliefs and how we, how we handle money. Yeah. Yeah. There's just, there's, there's a lot. And so I always want to, when we're talking about money, either on my podcast or in any of my programs or anything like that, I really just want to acknowledge the intersectionality Mm -hmm. that happens through so many different facets, whether it's it's gender, whether it's race, whether it's class, whether it's ableism, like so many, um, sexual orientation, like all of these things are here for us. Religion, like all of these things are here for us in, in our conversation around money and to really provide a space that is brave Mm -hmm. and, um, open and, as safe as I could possibly make it mm-hmm. to, to have these conversations and just really be that person who's like, listen, like be gentle with yourself. This takes patience. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if you had to do this all over again and, and start over from scratch, is there anything you would do differently? Mm. What would I do differently? Um, Yes and no, because right there's the part of that that's like I'm exactly where I'm meant to be when I'm when I'm there, and there's all the lessons that I learned along the way that have really been the breadcrumbs mm-hmm. to to be here, and I think at the same time I would probably do um, I would probably do what I'm trying to do for others right now, which is like set expectations differently. It's like those expectations will really, will really kind of jam you up. Yeah. I agree. I see that in clients where they, they start their business and a month later, they don't know why they haven't had a $10,000 client yet. And, uh, and they ignore all the little successes they've had over that time, but they, they set their sights on getting this big client and a big payout right away. And then they feel disappointed and they want to give up and quit. Um, so a lot of, a lot of what I do is managing expectations with clients. So what is, yeah. you know, what do you want? What's the ultimate dream, but what's realistic in this time frame that will ultimately get you there over time? Yeah. And I actually keep telling people like, there's, there's really no secret. There's like really no secret other than time. Yeah. Just yeah. like time like your investments compound over time and grow mm-hmm. and grow and grow. So does your business. Like it, you just get to a point where all of the effort that you're putting in is compounding mm-hmm. and all the lessons that you've learned over the years are compounding. Yeah. And so the only way to get there is through, is to do it and is yeah. to learn the lessons, to make the mistakes, to experiment, to fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think that that's the hardest thing is having the patience to, uh, to allow time to play out. 
Yeah. That's, that's the hardest thing. And, and the biggest struggle that I know I've had in business that I see with clients, it's just, it's time. It's just time. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on today. You shared so much wisdom. I can't wait to listen to this again, because I know I learned a lot. I know everyone listening is going to learn a lot from this. And, you know, how do people, if, if people want to work with you, what, how do they connect with you? What's the best way to reach out and connect? Sure. So um, if you go to the boldleadershiprevolution.com forward slash revenue is where you're going to okay. grab that revenue calculator. And like I said, there is a 15 minute training that's there. And um, I love to connect with folks in two ways. So podcast, I have my podcast, the bold money revolution, but also okay. email. Okay. So I'm a, you know, you email me, I respond. I'm very high touch in my email. Usually when people um, sign up for the revenue goal calculator. I'll even reach out with like a personal mess video message. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm an introvert. So like, I'm not like a big fan of social media, <laughs> but like, I really do love my, my email and my people. Uh, yeah. so absolutely jump on my email, come listen to my podcast, get to know my style. Um, see if I can, you know, get you some quick wins with that revenue goal calculator, some quick clarity. And that's, that's really how we roll. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking with you today and, and I'm going to go download the calculator right now. Thanks so much for having <laughs> me, Terry.